0: you fifth quartertons and welcome to the fifth quarter podcast episode 24 well that was an upset thing saturday <laughs> i am joined as always by the finals fancy question mark frio fan in nathan
1: oh well let's not get carried away but i'll uh <laughs> i'll here's to hoping that's all all us yeah. frio supporters ever do is hope
0: yep fingers crossed um whilst i am the Exas- uh, exasperated Essendonian in Ben, um, and well, Brent is sick again. Surprise! Uh, so I That's, think we need some, we, I think we need a new medical team because we can never really get the the band back together at the
1: moment. Yeah, I think we're uh, borrowing the Gold Coast medical staff uh, lately. We're not <laughs> not getting us out in the park. Well, we said we had the Collingwood medical staff last week, so that yeah, we're getting. Oh yeah, that that makes sense. Yeah, yeah I, either one of those. It's um, I mean, I was only down for a week, so I was I was just a minor general soreness, I think. Brent yep. Brent seems to have done his ACL or something. and He ain't coming back.
0: No, I think it's a bit of OP. We 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 brought him back in, but he's re, he's he's re done a re injury or like done <laughs> like it was like you know we brought him back too uh, too early on uh, on a harm uh, ah try that again, um we brought him back too early from a like a hamstring strain or something like that or a calf yeah. a calf strain, um. <laughs> He's he's the Chris Main, and I'm
1: like you know Brody Grundy or something like that. And gee, tell you what, kick him while he's down, Chris Main. That's a, that's a, fair, <laughs> that's a fair whack on Brett.
0: <laughs> well, you know, if if he was well enough to be here, then he'd be able to you know stand up for himself. But oh well, it is Pretty what sure. it is. Yeah. Um, sure. Hey, I expect him to do the same if I was ever sick. If cut to me next week being sick. Um, not gonna happen, not gonna happen. Uh, we are, of course, sponsored by Podcast Central and Survival First Aid Kits. Uh, they are, they are and have the winning formula for intelligent, practical, and durable first aid products that will help you be prepared for any emergency, unlike, I guess, us. Um, They have uh, very easy, and refill, easy refill and restock up options. Um, their numbered labeling system tells you how many of each item you should have, alerting you to replacement requirements and making it clear when you need to refill and restock at their easy accessible restock portal. Or you can simply scan their pot product, qu- qu- yeah, product QR code. It would be nice if I could actually read properly. Um, we
1: all knew where you were going with that. It's all good.
0: Good. Thank, good to know. Good to know. Um, For $10 off your order at checkout, by all means, type in 5th Quarter. That's F-I-F-T-H-Q-U-A-R-T-E-R. All one word, 5th Quarter. Like I said, at checkout, and you'll get $10 off your order. That's right, $10 off your order. (laughs) Survival First first Aid Kits, experience the survival difference. Um, I will quick look at the footy tipping as well. Uh, There's a couple of people who got seven last week. Uh, that would be Sexy Stone and Raj. Uh, every single one of us got six, uh, except for then Michael and Justin Blades, who got five and four, respectively. Bree Clark and Justice Summer, they're, they're, they're zilch and have yeah, been. Uh, they're MIA. MIA, yeah. Um, so in, uh, if you look at the total scores, that means that Paul is still ahead, but only by one. Uh, with against Nate. um raj has now actually overtaken me and is now third really yeah the bastard um well we're on we're on the same points we're on the same uh, total amount of points in 105 but when it comes to points differentials on the friday night games or thursday night games he's actually pipped me um yeah, and
1: raj has, um raj has been pretty brave on a few weeks he's uh yeah he's got a pretty good return out of just I guess, taking a chance. Yeah. And
0: it seems to be holding him in good stead now. Cause like I said, yeah, he's uh he's now just above me. Um, so I'm going to have to get my act together. And then, uh, you got Justin on 97, a little bit further down, uh, just pipping out Brent on 96, Ashley on 95 job on 93, Michael on 88 and sexy stone on 72. Um, so with that all said and done, let, us us get into our heroes and villains of the week
1: yeah uh nath you want to start off or should we start off with brent's yeah we can start off with brent's um if you want to do that one i'll jump into mine second and give you a break and then yeah sure
0: no worries so uh yeah brent did actually send us a few things the the nice boy that he is um he's all over he's all over, he, it. He fair, fair he's all over it i know he's actually prepared he actually prepared himself this week which is amazing um so his hero for the week was, and it's probably a lot of uh, Australians' hero. Uh, it oh, was Steve yeah. Steve Smith. Um, he does say he had first test back from suspension in the most hostile cricketing environment in the world. Uh, unless it's like Pakistan or Sri Lanka, where they will literally try and blow you up. Um, uh Scores 144 off Australia's 284 runs in the first innings to save it from total disaster. Scores another 142 in the second innings to rip the heart out of the palms. 100% the best test batsman in the world. Hashtag F Coley. Uh, couldn't I, agree more.
1: I, I, yeah, I am 100% supportive of that hero. I, yep. I was sitting there watching on day one thinking we are going to get rolled over um and the, this is going to be an absolute shambles after getting knocked out in the semi-final to England in the World Cup yeah we've gone into the ashes and going to get steamrolled enter Steve Smith and the guy is a superstar given i guess we talk a lot about afl goal kicking and and the i guess it's all above the shoulders and yeah. the amount of weight that would have been on steve's shoulders going into that test and and what I guess he's come back from, and, and I guess the abuse he was going to cop, it was inevitable that was going to happen. Just yeah. the mental toughness that he showed to go out there and twice get got 140-odd um, is just phenomenal. That is that is just, he's got nerves it, of steel.
0: I was going to say, it does show you the mental toughness and grit that that man has. Um, and I think like he must have been preparing for it forever which is probably why he came out and did what he did because like he he would have had over 12 months to think about this first test and he yeah. would have and it would have it would have been a few months ago where he where he would have been you know had the tap on the shoulder and go okay your first test is going to be the ashes for like you know the first the first test of the ashes and it's going to be at Edgebaston, where Australia hasn't won since 2001 yeah um, <clears throat> so he would like, it, yeah, like I said, it shows you the, the mentality that that man has and how, um, how strong willed he is to know all of that and just take it in his stride and, and not only make sure he put on a performance like that, but actually put on a performance like that.
1: I reckon the um, guy needs to run some, uh, some coaching sessions for every key forward in the AFL. Yeah. Just <laughs> Or how just people not, in general, you know. How to not crack under pressure when you're in front of the big yeah. sticks. Yep. That's for
0: sure. Um, so his villain this week uh, is what he's dubbed the Danaher Dinner. Um,
1: the Danaher off Dinner.
0: The Danaher Dinner. So if anyone who's out of the loop, uh, Joey Danaher went to Sydney to, for surgery um, on his OP and his osteitis pubis, um, while he was there, he had, you know, uh, coffee or I guess dinner with, uh, Tom Harley, who actually was his, uh, mentor, uh, growing up like like back in his teenage years, I think. Um, so we obviously went to see him and probably, you know, chew the, not only chew the fat, but sort of kind of go, you know. I, I'm in this part of my career, you know, how did you get through it? How, like, you know, what are some tips, you know, some guides for me, da, 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 It's come, you know, it's come back. And then it's just blown out of proportion, in my opinion, Um, in the media. And they've all gone, oh, he's met with the head of Sydney. And, oh, they're going to, what are the trades going to be like? And da, 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 da. like, you know, that Sydney need a, f- full forward and that, you know, this is going to be huge for us. Blah, 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 blah. So it was talked off by Longmire and Woosher just saying, yeah, no, nah, it's nothing. Um, because of course it's against the league rules. Uh, but um, Harley and Danaher and Danaher's management haven't said a word. Um, and like Brent said, why would they anyway? Uh, but of course the coaches on either side will play it down. A horse is never going to go out and say, oh, yeah, we're taking him mid-contract, and Woosha isn't going to say, oh, yeah, no, he's out of here. Uh, the obtusity, and that's Brent's word, the obtusity is infuriating because it's so obvious. Now, I would like to... I, I'm kind of going a little bit against what Brent's saying there. Um, he's saying that it's obvious. I'm saying, like, but I would it'd be interesting to see... I'd be nice if he was actually here, because I'd like to ask him what he means by obvious. Um, To me, it's obvious that it's not going to happen.
1: Yeah, I I mean, it's kind of got to a point now where apparently you're not allowed to talk to anyone from any other club or any other source. Um, Even if you
0: have, you know, a, a background relation with them. Yeah. You know, oh no, no. You, you work for the other team. Now there's going to be no correspondence whatsoever. It's like, guys, come on. They're, they're human. Let them actually have a relationship or a continued relationship.
1: Yeah. I mean, someone's got to make a story, don't they? It was, it was a Razio a few months ago, a few weeks ago. And yeah. um, someone in the media has got to draw something up, but I, I mean, if it happens, it happens. They're going to get compensation for it. But if, If it doesn't, then this was just a storm in a teacup.
0: And here's the thing. It came out today, I believe, on Fox Sports, Fox Sports News, that um, they're actually in talks of extending Danaher's contract at Essendon. Right. So not only is it a nothing story, it's the complete opposite of the story that is actually, that has some basis of in fact.
1: I mean, I... To be to be honest, if it actually eventuated, I think you guys would probably Essendon would probably do better out of the deal anyway, given that he barely plays and when he does, he kicks points. So I mean, there's there's always been the potential to the name that comes with him and the Danaher name and the legacy. In the
0: twenty seventeen season he had.
1: Yeah. I mean, the hanging your hat off one season. Reese Palmer was the oh the the um rising star in his first season and came went on to do absolutely nothing for the next What few years of his career? So, I mean, you need to back it up year on year, and and I don't know. I I feel like you guys will get compensated well enough if you lost him that it wouldn't even matter.
0: Yeah, I I I just I mean we'll get to it because it's part of Brent's captivating question as well. Um, in that in in fact you know what we'll leave until Brent's captivating question. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: No, that's right. We'll
0: end the discussion there. Um. But uh yeah, uh did you want to do your hero and yeah, villain yeah, yeah, for the for week? Sure. Yeah,
1: yeah, so for my my hero this week, um I've decided to go quite in-house for me and it's it's probably been a fair time coming and I said this to you guys in our chat um off off the air. My hero for this week was Nat 5 and I mean his stats were good as usual. He was um consistently putting in really really strong performances in I guess what's been a very, very difficult six weeks for the club, where they've they've gone from sixth and looking at hoping to be in finals to, well, they dropped to thirteenth and now eleventh. Um, and Nat Fife has been the one constant. I, I know we we saw a lot of talk about Michael Walters because he was winning games and stuff, but as far as across the four quarters, Nat Fife was the one constant that just never let up. And we saw it on the weekend against Geelong. Um, him and Walters were phenomenal, but. But Nat's leadership and his leading by example is huge. And um, he drifted forward a couple of times. Um, and oh, Sorry, he drifted forward and he, and he kept, kicked a goal or two. I think he might have kicked two goals. Um, and in those moments, I was thinking, oh, no, he's not the best kicker. He's not a great, great shot at goal. Um, but this is, this is the moment where I kind of thought, this is where we needed Pav, where you need your captain to stand up and kick a goal. And Nat actually went back and kicked the goals. So I saw it was very heroic. That he led by example, and and as a result, they beat the top of the ladder team by, what, 34 points, um, who haven't been travelling all that well. But in saying that, Geelong were getting themselves hyped up. They had a holiday in Perth, trying to get themselves um, refreshed and ready to go and implement their new or their extreme training program they've been on. And for Frio to come out and just essentially blow them out of the water after a quarter time much led by their captain. I thought it was a heroic effort by him. And I guess it has been through this whole – the whole season and this whole patch of of um, of the slide, is he's, been, he's been heroic every game. Um, against Hawthorne, he was the only player that kept him in the match. There was 21 other blokes out there who didn't really contribute, and Nat was doing everything he could. So um, thankfully, for his sake, they got the result, and hopefully this can be a um, – Kind of a slingshot to finish the season well.
0: <clears throat> yeah, sure. I, I think yeah, those those twenty one other players for Frio were sort of just watching that five through everything, going, "Oh, well done, outstanding stuff." Wish we could help, but you know, you're we, we'll
1: we'll let you do your thing. Yeah. Um, Hawthorne yeah, sent uh, two taggers to him and got away with it. Yeah.
0: And uh, yeah, like you said, he is, he has been, and continues to be Mister Consistent. Um, and and Frio do don't they do sort of sport a relatively young side as well yeah, i believe yeah. so you're going to have those ups and downs um it's just making it's just trying to get those ups at the right time of the season um yeah.
1: and and that's the thing he's done it through some adversity as you said they're they are a very young side um even more so now with they've lost every every key position player they've got um they've lost lob hogan alex pierce so their their spine is depleted they've they've lost everyone um Taberna's out they've got all their bigs are gone so for fife to step up with basically a selection of kids around him and and i mean Mundy and, and walters who are, who are the consistent ones um mm. yeah it's been it has been challenging for them but it was a good result and hopefully they build off it that that's the sad thing is they, they seem to have those results and then go backwards so yeah we'll see they got the saints this week
0: Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, hopefully they can build off of that. Um, and like I said, maybe, maybe at the intro, maybe maybe make a run for finals because everything seems to be very precarious at the moment in that
1: area of the ladder. So we'll see how yes. we go. Which kind of brings me to my villain. Um, oh. So I've gone, I've gone a three-way villain, two short ones and one more longer one. Um okay. the, the first one's Brent for picking a dreadful draft for us to pick from this week. <laughs> <laughs> no fault of his own, I guess it's just luck when we call out a number but I yeah. couldn't even fill my 10 I'm I'm struggling so um that's the first one. The second one is Kyle Hooker's shot at goal. Um yeah that... that
0: that that's the Kyle Hooker I I remember. <laughs> yeah. the, that's that's that like when he was kicking all those that goal against GWS against Gold Coast. Um, I'm sure there, were, there was a couple other times he went, he went forward. Uh, I think maybe against Sydney, and he was actually kicking goals. I'm like, this isn't the Kyle Hooker I know. Yeah. Yeah, and then nah, he started. He started forward against Port Adelaide, and I'm like, mm, this could be interesting, because he's he's, yeah. he's I like the commentator. I think Gary Lyon was saying he's a good he's he's decent as a as a key forward when he doesn't have to start as a key forward when he, when he's able to start in defence. Yeah, and work himself into the game, and then transition forward. That's when that's that's perfect for him. When he has to start as a key forward, and start to get that momentum in that position, it he seems to falter a bit. And lo and behold, you saw it very clearly. Um, so yeah, when he missed that, I'm like, "Yep, yeah, that's yeah, that's the, that's the car hooker I know as a forward." That's, <laughs> yeah and uh, that kind of sort of just summed up the the day for me
1: really yeah no that was that was a bit of a laugh but still a villain um but my my actual villain for this week it's a bit of a out there one and it's myself um i was i was pretty angry at myself no not angry i was i was disappointed in myself i guess i went into the round last week um i think i was a, i think i've caught up I'm a point behind um paul on the tipping yeah. and I actually went into the round thinking, you know what, I am very, very confident that North Melbourne will beat Hawthorne at Marvel, and that Port Adelaide will upset Essendon. Given the Essendon's last month, they've been coming from behind and and kind of get just getting over the line, and and I was so convinced, I was like, no, nah, they're going to do it, but I I couldn't bring myself to taking the chance in the tipping, and I thought I'm going to be conservative and go with the teams that. I feel like Paul's going to tip to, to just keep myself safe and, and go on an oddball just once every now and then. So I didn't go with my gut and I, I'm, I'm just making a villain of myself and anyone who doesn't go with their gut, um, because they're not willing to take a chance on tipping or whatever it is in life. So I was, I was pretty filthy at myself. I I'd, I'd got another one wrong. I did Geelong over Freo, but I was never going to tip Freo. So
0: I don't think anyone was going to tip Freo. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, yeah, in, instead, of, instead of taking a chance, I went conservative. And for that, I am my own villain this week because those two games could have got me some much-needed points, but I was, I was too much of a sissy to go with it.
0: There you go. That, that's, some, that's some harsh life lessons there for everyone listening. Just, you know, if you, if you think it's – if you feel it, if you feel it's right, go with it.
1: Yeah, and I kept I kept saying before the round to people I didn't say you guys because um because I was crook last week, but I was like I yeah. I just I just think Port Adelaide, even though they had a pretty sure they have a shocking record against Essendon at Marvel. They um,
0: do. They were average. They were the average loss was like forty six points at at one point at Marvel.
1: Yeah, so there wasn't any season. It was just yeah. pure gut feel that I I was like oh Essendon's been kind of. Just creeping over the line, and Port Adelaide, other the team, like they beat West Coast and Geelong. I was like, they could, they could do this. And, but I just maybe it's maybe it's not reflective of me. Maybe it's reflective of how untrustworthy Port Adelaide are. But yeah, just go with your gut.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of in agreement with you there because I did feel the same way. I was like, okay, Essendon, there's going to be a point in the next few weeks where Essendon just capitulate. Um, because it needs to be, it, they need to have it done essentially. Because they're, like you said, they're just creeping over the line. So I think they, and I think Nick Ringwald even said it, their, their win loss ratio for the last month is not indicative of how they've been performing. Um, None. They, they should have lost a lot more games than they've been winning. So they're actually, their performances have been relatively poor, but they've been able to win them at, yeah. at the death. Yeah, um, and the, and Gold Coast really should have been the shining light of that.
1: Um, yeah, I think that's but, where a lot of my concern came from.
0: Yeah, but uh, having said that, I didn't. I, I, there was a part of me that thought, but there, it's up against Port Adelaide at Marvel Stadium. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be this week. I think they're going to. Uh, in my head, I was like, they're probably going to actually end up winning comfortably, and then. Below it for the next three weeks against yeah, you know yeah. Bulldogs and Frio and Collingwood, but I think yeah. they'll end up getting out of the line in Port Adelaide. No, nope, I was wrong. They did it a week earlier. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. How
1: how did they manage that?
0: Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but this kind of goes well into my hero uh, for this week. i still going with the with Brent's challenge to me of picking a hero from Essendon every week. <laughs> <laughs> Slightly trickier this time around. Um and I wonder why. And it might be a, a, a bit of a stretch this one, but I'll go with it anyway. Um I initially I was just so lackluster with it that I thought, oh maybe I just go with the Essendon fans that stayed till the very end. That could that could work, right?
1: Yeah, that's right, yep.
0: Yeah. Um, but no, instead I went with um uh Paddy Ambrose actually. Yep. Um now he's been quite underrated all season since uh the, the games he's played anyway. Um, he does a shutdown role on a key forward almost uh, on every week and he does it pretty much to a plomb. Um this week he was up against Charlie Dixon. Now just to set the thing here. Uh Charlie D- Charlie Dixon was coming back. Um Port Adelaide were kicking goals left, right, and center. Yeah. Charlie Dixon scored zero goals, zero behinds. Had had five disposals, all of which were kicks. He had three marks as well. Um, But his disposal efficiency was 40%. So of his five possessions, two of them were actually of any clout. The other three were just went nowhere. Ambrose, meanwhile, has 10 disposals at 100% efficiency, six of which were contested uh, at, with five marks as well. So, I mean, out of every Essendon player that was supposedly playing that game, at least Paddy Ambrose can hold his head up high and actually say that he did his job.
1: Mate, I'm, I'm just impressed with this, the analysis you did to get that.
0: <laughs> I told you, I had to stretch. I, I really had to get there. Like, I had to find something in order to, to, to get an Essendon hero, and I managed to find one. So maybe, maybe, maybe like you were your own villain, maybe I should be my own hero as well. Um, <laughs> Can't be far. <fun. laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, now speaking of villains, my villain for this week, um, again from the Frio Geelong game, uh, and a few a couple of weeks ago, I had uh, Joel Selwood as my villain. Um, this week, I've gone with his, I guess you call him counterpart, in Paddy Dangerfield. Yep. Uh, because, and I'll bring up the stats in a second. Uh, here we go. Um, so we had sixteen disposals. Which you'd think is actually quite low for him. Um, And it is. He's averaging 26 disposals a game. So he's down by
1: 10. 16.
0: Yeah. That is real low. Just 16. Uh, 50% disposal efficiency, which is low even for his standards. Um, Because he's, again, averaging 66%. And just didn't he just didn't get into the, into the game. It was again, it was like Selwood a few weeks ago. I don't, I now honest, I'll be honest. I didn't actually watch a lot of the game. Um, I was a bit despondent after watching the and Port Adelaide game. So, you know, my apologies. Um, he only, now, and this is the, this is another thing. Dangerfield quite often, you see him get a lot of meters gained usually per game, right? Yeah. Cause he's that run and gun sort of player. Uh, 256 meters gained for the entire match against Frio.
1: Jeepers. So I'm not sure if there was actually anyone tagging him or well, not. I, I, I didn't pay too much attention to the actual um the the video. I didn't I didn't actually watch it. I was mainly getting the audio. Um. I know I know Geelong played a kind of weird weird role on that five. So they put Danger Kelly and um and Selwood. Scotty um kind of rotated to try and not let him get comfortable. I think they put Guthrie on him as well. So they kept rotating the players, trying not to let Fife settle. Um, not sure if Darcy Tucker would have been that run with role with danger as a result of that because Darcy Tucker has kind of been used as Frio's um, somewhat tagger. So if he did, he must have done a really good job because the only other option there is really David Mundy and Mu- <laughs> Mundy's not really the kind of player that's going to close down someone else.
0: You don't really want Monday closing down your players if, if like you said, you're going to have three people from Geelong try and t- um, take five out of the game. You kind of want Mundy yeah. to be in there as a secondary, as a backup to um, to get the ball moving. Yeah. Um, but even then, so if if Dangerfield, yeah, was was rolling with you know Kelly and a f- you know um, did you say uh, uh, Guthrie and Guthrie, and,
1: um, yeah, and, and Scott
0: Saylor, yeah, so with a few others. Um, he should have been able to every now and again get off the chain. So if if it was Darcy Tucker that was on him, then you know kudos to the guy. The fact that Dangerfield couldn't get rid of a Darcy Tucker tag. I mean, what does that tell you about Dangerfield and tags? Then.
1: Yeah, I don't know. know? I don't know what was going on there. You would have thought that in a game like that, um, he would have been one of the few that stood up. But the fact that he. He barely touched the ball. It was actually surprising. I didn't, I didn't even realize yeah. that until now. I
0: mean, looking at it now, Darcy Tucker got 21 disposals um, himself.
1: Yeah, is it? So, yeah.
0: You know, but yeah, Dangerfield is my villain because, yeah, he, he did not play the Dangerfield game. In fact, he, he played a below average game by anyone's measures, not, even, not just Dangerfield's. Yeah.
1: So, oh, that's 16's real low nowadays. Yeah.
0: Nah, oh, for sure. Even, uh, let's have a look here. I believe uh, Joel Selwood got a, got, even got more than him this time around, which, I mean, you'd mean you'd want that. But, um, I mean, Gary Abler playing in the four line got 17.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So, oh, wait, was Joel Selwood even playing?
1: Uh, no, I think Joel was a late um, no, no,
0: Joel, no, sorry, Sirwood was playing, and he got 15 disposals. So there you go. 15 Joel, disposals. Joel. Oh, at, yeah,
1: sorry. Jo- yeah, Joel was there,
0: yeah. Yeah, 15 disposals at 47% efficiency. So both Sirwood and Dangerfield had very, very poor games. Yeah. That's, it's, I mean, come on, guys. You're meant to be the heart and soul of this team.
1: What are you doing? Uh, they, uh, they just came up against a formidable outfit, I think. <laughs>
0: yeah, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> like, well... Or either that, or they just, they, one of those things where Geelong kind of, and you don't really expect this from Geelong, where they um, sort of thought they had the game won before they even started playing. And that happened. So, yeah. I don't know. But yeah, those are the heroes and villains for the week. Uh, so we'll move on to c- captivating questions. Um, and we'll start with Brent's questions to us yep um so who do we think is the scariest finals road trip is it richmond's slash collingwood slash hawthorne at the mcg geelong at alphabet stadium if it ever happened or west coast at optus
1: are we talking this year or are we talking in general like so I would thinking, say
0: in general, because I don't, because Hawthorne aren't going to be making the finals. Either yeah. Way. well, Yeah. When I was but thinking Hawthorne H- at H- the H-C-G. MCG a few years back.
1: Yeah. Cause the Hawthorne crowd now doesn't even rock up. So, um, oh, I don't know. I think, I mean, West coast will be pretty tough, but Richmond in front of like seventy, eighty thousand 80,000 Richmond supporters is pretty intimidating. Uh, yeah. Cause I, I, Sheerly on the numbers,' that opt Optus what you got probably fifty six thousand in a final um that whereas, can still make a lot of noise, but I mean the Richmond roar extra something a thousand supporters is a massive massive yeah. number, especially um,
0: at the m c g where it does sort of echo around
1: so on that thing i don't I don't think Collingwood, although they've got a massive support base um I don't know for some reason. Do they get as loud as Richmond supporters? It doesn't. I I mean, maybe, but I I just feel like there's something about the Richmond vibe that is very loud, very rowdy, and probably very intimidating to come up against, um, especially when they're switched on.
0: Yeah. No, um, I'm I'm
1: probably going to have to agree with that. Um, I mean, West Coast would be hard for the fact that no one likes coming over here. Yeah. um, And... No one really wants to play here at the best of times. So in a final against the 50-odd thousand-strong crowd, definitely not. No, But, but
0: I mean, West Coast are beatable at home. Like, even Port Adelaide showed that this year. Melbourne showed it last year. Yeah. Richmond at the MCG, at the moment, at the very least, is nigh on impossible
1: yeah. to beat. Yeah. Even when they're playing Melbourne teams. Exactly.
0: Exactly. So even when there's not – when it's their away game against another team from Melbourne or Victoria, they still win.
1: Yeah. So yeah.
0: it's uh, – you kind of have to go Richmond just on that because all the other places, you could – like you have a good enough team and you, probably, you could probably pip-, pip them at the post.
1: Well, funnily enough, Brent. Part of the question was um, at GMHBA and playing Geelong down in in Geelong, and I I kind of laugh at that one because the last time they requested to have a home final was against Frio in the qualifying final, and um, in two thousand thirteen went down there and knocked them off and it made a granny. So yeah, <laughs> that's true. They're definitely not unbeatable. I think Sydney's beaten them in um, oh, close to finals or in finals down there yeah. as well. So. Um, oh yeah, given given that as a Freo supporter, we went down there and knocked him off when everyone thought that that was a, a tactic to to really throw Freo off because they couldn't play at the G um, where they'd beaten Geelong in the season. Um, yep. Yeah, definitely Richmond or West Coast.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the last time West Coast lost a final at home was against Collingwood, and it was that that epic where it went yes. into that semi final that went into overtime.
1: Oh yeah, that
0: was that oh, was, extra, was at, extra time, sorry. Yeah
1: Yeah, I was, I was at that absolute ripper.
0: Yeah. So no no i no, a yeah, good
1: question for Brent. It was, oh. it
0: was. Um this next one I don't really like at all. Uh from Brent. I think it's a bit ludicrous, but I mean I did make mention of it already. Uh in the earlier on in the podcast. Um if you were Joe Danaher, would you go to Sydney? And if you were the bombers, would you give him up? And for what? I'm um, going to say no to both because it's Joe Danaher. I have too much invested in it. Like from a pure emotional standpoint. So I can't really be objective. So I'm just I mean I I I would just naturally say no. I wanna keep I wanna keep Joe. Simple as that. I, I know. I know. The last couple of years, he hasn't really played much at all because of the OP that he's got. But that's not like, and the games he has played, he hasn't been all that great. I want to assume it's because of that injury. So, I want to see Joe Danaher play for Essendon, and I can't see him playing for any other team. Um. Yeah. Uh, no. Nah, that's my answer. So,
1: so question one is. Uh, so what was it was about, would he go to Sydney? Yeah, and I'm saying no. So I I kind of ask why, like why, what would be his motive to go to Sydney? Does he want to go somewhere where he's less noticed or less, like Buddy did, go somewhere where he's out of that, I guess, it's not a fishbowl, it's more of a cauldron in Victoria, but um, does he want to escape that? And if if that is his reason, then, I mean fair enough if he wants to escape the whole scrutiny and what is, what life is like playing at a big Melbourne club. I don't know why you'd want to, since a lot of people want to go and play for a big Victorian club. Um, uh, I
0: will add this tidbit. His father in Anthony Danaher did actually play for Sydney as well, as Essendon. Okay. Yeah. So there might be that as, as well. But, I mean, apart from that, And then that's the thing. Uh, Anthony Danaher played for Sydney and then moved, went to Essendon. Yeah. So um, Mm. apart, yeah, apart from the fact that his dad played for Sydney for a few years. Um, yeah, I can't really see why he would go there. Like, unless like you said, he wanted to get away from the, uh, Melbourne football media.
1: Yeah. That, that's what I would think. Um, as, as far as part two goes with what will Essendon let him go and for what, um, probably being a little facetious here, but if I was Essendon, I'd say, all right, give us buddy for his remaining years and a second rounder and we got a deal. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what Sydney could offer as far as a a trade because who have they really got as a, as a, Kind of like for like big forward, they got Sam Reed, Buddy Franklin. Um, besides that, they got some good small forwards in Tom Papley and the like. But Essendon's yeah. not really going to be getting a league, I mean, key lead up forward unless they give him a first rounder. Um, and they can try and go to the, the draft with that. But
0: yeah, um, if, if it was Essendon, they would be demanding Sydney essentially pay overs, yeah, but down to her because you're getting, yeah, because. If he does get off over that injury, he he, I can see him being back to that 2017 best that he did, where he was kicking, you know, 65 goals a season. And if he does that, I mean, you you know, you know, you don't need Hooker as that sort of uh, fly half forward, essentially. Oh, yeah, uh, no, you I definitely you, want. You, <clears> you can keep. Com- you can have Mitch Brown play and you know as that uh secondary forward who then ends up you know bobbing up and kicking maybe you know two to a couple of goals a game um and still get, getting you know 20 odd possessions stringer then ends up being that third tool and he can and we all know what stringer can do um no Danaherd is just is is very very key for that forward line and for Essendon as a whole going forward so if they were if they were to trade him they would be. They would be basically wanting at least two first rounders, or like you said, Buddy for his remaining years, and and a second rounder, or maybe even another the first rounder. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: least, just have a bit of a laugh and say, give us Buddy and a first rounder, and, yeah. and we good. Get a and see games.
0: if and see if Sydney actually turn around and say deal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, That's good questions, Brent. I liked them.
0: Yeah, uh, Brent does actually answer his own question because, of course, he does. Um, Not the first one, but he does answer this one. Uh, So, if he was Danaher, he would—he actually says yes. He
1: would go Um, to Sydney.
0: Yeah, he'll get more money at the Swans because money's always a factor. Um,
1: Because Buddy's yeah injured all the time, you don't know how long your career is going to last, so take the cash.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but Danaher would be on a decent amount anyway. Um, You'll get more money at the Swans because Buddy's the only one hogging cap space. Reed is a spud, and the Swans need a genuine target, so they'll pay overs. Well, we were just talking about paying overs, and I don't know if they'll pay that over. Uh, and like he said, he's also out of the Victorian Fishbowl. Um,
1: I, I didn't actually read what Brendan said, so that's, that's good, it aligns.
0: Yeah, uh, and then if he, was, if he was the Bombers, yes, he would trade him. I think I get a funny feeling that Brent doesn't like Essendon that much. Um,
1: I, don't I don't know, know. why they... It's not like they lost to you guys.
0: No. I it's uh, I don't know. It might be it must be a deep seated hatred hatred from somewhere something or something. Um Pendle Blue yeah, yeah. And yet we're still friends. Go figure. Um yes, trade him, but I wouldn't take anything less than getting back into the first round of the draft and probably some steak knives player like Buddy Franklin. Um that's I added that, not Brent. I'm not, not going to put a boys in his mouth uh, and a pick swap. So, you know, it very quite, kind of falls in line with what we were saying. Yeah. No, um, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so, I actually have a, a, a captivating question as well. Um, the so every year the AFL uh, does the 22 under 22 team, which is yes. the, the 22. Uh, Players, the twenty-two best players under twenty-two, and you know that they, they do that that kind of all Australian sort of team,
1: yeah.
0: Uh, under the age of twenty-two, I should I should add for anyone who's confused. Um, so they've put out the, the 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 forty that will then get whittled down to twenty-two. The forty players that will get whittled down to twenty-two um, of the, and they've broken them down to you know your defenders, your midfielders, your forwards. And your couple of ruckmen that they've thrown in there as well. Of those, of the defenders, midfielders, and forwards, who are your top two of each category? And would you take Tim English or Harry McKay as your ruckman?
1: Uh, I, as a ruckman, I would take Tim English um, because I think he's developing pretty well. Um, He's been
0: who does St Kilda have besides Tim English as a ruckman? I'm trying to think.
1: Oh, so, so Tim English is at the Bulldogs. Oh, is um, it Bulldogs?
0: I because yeah. I'm looking at the oh yeah, no. I oh, I saw red, white, and I thought black, not blue.
1: Yeah, no, and um St. Kilda had a commercial. So, on, sure. so, okay. um, so you know, who I'll do the Bulldogs have
0: apart from Tim English?
1: Uh, not a whole lot. So that he's he's actually played a pretty good role this year. I'm yeah, um, wrong.
0: I mean if he's there basically number one ruckman already yeah and they're playing the way they're currently playing then yeah kudos to him
1: yeah no he's been um he's been pretty good um i know i know when they played free over here he he dominated sean darcy um in the, the first time they met um so so you say two from each line
0: yeah i should for the for the people playing at home i should uh, probably list them very quickly. So your defenders are Wayne Miller, Harris Andrews, Alex Witherden, Jacob Withering sorry, Jacob Witherding, Sam Taylor, Blake Hardwick, Bailey Fritch, Dan Houston, Sydney Stack, Jordan Dawson, and Callum Mills. Your midfielders are Jared Berry, Hugh McLuggage, Zach Fisher, Sam petreski Seton, Sam Walsh, Andy McGrath, Darcy Parrish, so you already know who my two are. Darcy Tucker, Jordan Clark, Braden Fiorini, Fiorini, Jacob Hopper, Tim Taranto, James Warple, Clayton Oliver, Oliver Florent, Josh Dunkley, Bailey Smith. And your forwards are Eric Hipwood, Harry Mackay, again, uh, Garrett, Grind <laughs> Myers, Brent Daniels, Jai Simpkin, Cameron Zerha, Connor Rosie. Shy Bolton, Jade Gresham, Liam Ryan, and Aaron Norton.
1: Yeah, that's oh, gee, man. Okay, so I actually submitted my 22 under 22 today. All um, right. And so oh, the midfield was real hard because not, yeah, you're not wrong. Like, it was more about positioning them who plays wing, who plays what. But um, yeah. so as a defender, I would go Harris Andrews um, and yep. Callum Mills. Because
0: Harris Andrews is playing an absolute ripper of a season so far. Yeah. Um, The
1: the guy's going to be a genuine, genuine star. Um, He's he's developing really well. And Callum Mills is, ever since he came into the league, he's just been, he's been solid. And I think he's massive leadership material as well. So I read, um,
0: I, I saw his name there and I'm like, he's, he's under 22.
1: Yeah, that's the what I was thinking. Been was.
0: playing like must have been playing brilliantly since he came into the AFL. Well,
1: when I when I saw Callum Mills and Clayton Oliver, I was like, "Jeepers, how how young are these guys staying?" Um, yeah. So the midfield's where it gets hard. I I think it's hard between Tim Taranto and Josh Dunkley. Um yeah. I like two, but the other one was going to be um, Sam Walsh because. Just the way that Sam Walsh plays, the guy is a jet. Um, he, with the number one tag on his shoulders, he's just cruising along as if it doesn't bother him.
0: In his first season as well.
1: Yeah, first year. And and by all accord, David Teague said he's the hardest trainer at the footy club. Mm. Um, I mean, that that's inclusive of his captain, Paddy Cripps. So I think Sam Walsh and oh, Tim Taranto... Um, probably my Giants bias coming in there. But Josh Dunkley is a very, very close um, yeah. third for my midfield spot. So what have I got? So I've got Harris Andrews and Mills down back. i got Walsh and Taranto in the midfield. And up forward, I'll go Eric Hipwood and – oh, man. It's a flip of the coin between Connor Rosie or Aaron Norton. Um, yeah,
0: right. I was going to say uh, same sort of thing, but instead of uh, Aaron Norton – I mean you could go Aaron Norton I was going to go Liam Ryan.
1: Yeah, oh yeah, that's Liam's damn exciting. <laughs> I... the the dude can is basically
0: a game breaker at this uh, already. Like it's it's amazing what he can do. Like yeah. give, give him give him a give him like he's one of those players where you you literally give him an inch and you'll take a mile.
1: Yeah. Yeah, as as a smaller forward. He'd definitely be my pick. Him and Connor Rosier, gee, they, they are just, they're guns already. Um, they're
0: dynamite, yeah. And you did, don't need to remind me about the Rosie thing. <laughs>
1: yeah. But yeah. that's, In fact, that's, that's my, half
0: the reason he's, I didn't pick him.
1: That's my two, two, and two. How about yourself?
0: Uh, yeah, so, like I said, my forward line probably be Liam Ryan and um, Hipwood. My midfielders, I mean, it's obvious, McGrath and Parish. Um, <laughs> uh, hey, I just, I don't care. Um, I'm sure there's other players out there, but they play for resident so meh. Um, come at me. Uh,
1: Darcy, Darcy Tucker's in there, the old shut down danger. <laughs> yeah, the
0: ta- yeah, that's <laughs> true. That's true. Um, my defenders though, <clears throat> I'm probably going to go. I probably end up, uh. Being the same as you in Harris Andrews and Callum Mills, I can't get over. I, I Callum Mills is just an absolute jet, um, and yeah, now like I said, Harris Andrews is really putting it together this year. So um, same sort of thing, like just shuts down um, any sort of defender he's on, and it's sort of like that. I can see him being that second general to Hodge in that defense in that um, defensive line. So yeah, a, a corporal if you want to call him that. Um, yeah. Or a, or a lieutenant, something
1: like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean Sydney Stack and Bailey Fritch are no um, no pushovers. I Stack, no, be, I think I want Stack elsewhere. Not not the,
0: I was going to say I I see them more in the midfield, midfield forward but, and line. Given,
1: given that Bailey Fritch is, I think over the the last month he he kicked bags of like three, four, or five, or something. So yeah. As, as, a, as a forward, he doesn't go too badly. So, I mean, he's a swingman, but tell you what, I'd, I wouldn't be opposed to having him in my forward half. No, nah, for sure. Um, so, do you have any captivating questions at all, Nathan? No, nah, I was just soaking up your guys' ones this week. I liked them. Uh, I was, no worries. I was a fan. Um, very quick one.
0: Uh, actually, no, I'll save that for Brave and Stupid. Brave or stupid—that's what I'll do. Save it for them. So, just a, a little teaser so for people to actually watch the listen to the uh, the second part of this podcast. Um, it's uh, you know should be uh, quite exhilarating. Um, if you really want to know what I was about to say, listen to that po- part of the podcast. Yes. Um, but we'll move on now to the two thousand AFL redraft. Yep. Uh, so I think we'll start off with Brent's again um, from 10 to one uh, number 10. He has Justin Kaczynski and he has a versatile key position player who could play in the ruck. And I couldn't think of anyone else to be in the top 10. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's exactly how I was feeling.
0: <laughs> um,
1: it just shows you how
0: shallow this, uh, Draft was. Uh, number nine, Daniel Cross. Very underrated Bulldogs player. Won their best and fairest the year, the year Cooney won the Brownlow. Still can't believe Adam Cooney won the Brownlow. I don't think Adam Cooney can believe he won the Brownlow. No, not at all. Uh, and one of the most courageous players.
1: Yeah, Crossy was great.
0: Yeah. Uh, number eight, Chris Newman. Uh, led, in, led Richmond incredibly well when they were garbage, passionate and hard playmaking defender. Cannot agree
1: more? Yeah. Yeah, bang on there.
0: Yep. Number seven, Drew Petrie, five-time North Melbourne leading goal kicker. Would have been the best player in the game if he played for the Pies um, or any other team other than North, uh, <laughs> yeah. ex- except maybe St. Kilda uh, or the Bulldogs, any of those teams that don't have a lot of, you know, supporters. Yeah, uh, good old yeah. Uh, Number six, Alan Didak. Led Collingwood goal-kicking in their premiership year. Very clutch player. Uh, Number five. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, he did some things against Essendon on Anzac Day, so I'm just going to sort of push that to the side. (laughs) Um, Number five, Kane Corns. Uh, I'm glad we don't judge players on their off-field demeanor.
1: Couldn't have said it better.
0: Or or their media personality. Yeah.
1: yeah, he summed that up beautifully.
0: Yeah, he did. Um, couldn't, couldn't have said that any better. Uh, number four, Daniel Kerr. Overshadowed by the other two. Uh, I'm assuming other two midfielders that West Coast Cousins had in and Judd. Cousins and Judd. Yep. Yeah. But arguably better at times. Finished top three in the Brownlow in 05, 06 and 07 and
1: lost to Cousins by a vote. Well, I'm pretty sure he got suspended in some of those as well. So. Probably. I'm pretty sure from memory, had he not got himself suspended or done something silly, um, he was he was right in there to win it.
0: Yeah. Ah, oh, for sure. Um, it was a bit like Scotty West. That he was always the always the groomsman, never the groom when it came to the Brown low. Yeah. He is a uh, genuine
1: star, Daniel Kerr. Yeah. His absolutely. sister's all right too. She's killing it.
0: Yeah, she does all right. Um, uh, number three is Sean Burgoyne. He has him above Daniel Kerr due to the versatility and longevity in the game. Again, yeah. couldn't agree more. Yeah. Uh, number two, Nick Ringwalt. Uh, he actually says no explanation necessary, but um, he does have some quotes if we feel if we want to. Uh, sorry. Yeah. He yeah. Some quotes, some stats, if we want to uh, uh, go through them, and I will. Yeah. Uh, he he was actually the number one draft pick that year. Played three hundred and thirty-six games, seven hundred and eighteen goals. Club captain for eleven seasons. Six club best of fairests. Uh, AFL Players Association MVP. Five-time All Australian, but zero premierships.
1: <laughs> I like how he's thrown that in there. The yeah, one that was the one that, that was actually um,
0: <laughs> that was actually part of the, the his captivating question last week, um, which I should actually get you to answer as well. Um, who, which career would you want? Would you want Nick Ringwalt or Would you want Tom
1: Boyd's? Oh gee, I don't know. I think if if you if you like the personal accolades, you'd definitely go Nick. Um, but if you genuinely want a premiership medal, then I guess you'd have to go Tom, wouldn't you? But so that's, I'm, yeah. I might say that Nick Revolt and everyone else in that starting twenty-two on uh, the two thousand and ten first grand final you will never get closer to a premiership than any of those players did, ever.
0: Yeah. No. <clears throat> I mean, you if you were a St.
1: Saint, Kilda, if you were, you know, yeah, those 22. You can't, Yeah, you can't get any closer than what they did, ever. Unless, no. of course, we have another drawn Grand Final, which ain't going to happen. Well, you say that. Cut two. Well, because um, uh, it will just continue Oh, on. that's right. Yeah, no, it's right.
0: extra time and all that, and Golden Goal and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah that's so,
1: true. so you'll never have to re- replay it.
0: Yeah. Um well I see, that's the reason I went Tom Boyd because as much as yeah, it's all you know, all the personal accolades, the reason you play footy, especially at the AFL, is for the ultimate glory of a premiership. And Tom Boyd managed to get that, you know, before he turned twenty three. Um yeah. so like he can he can hold his head up high no matter what. Um but moving on. Number one, uh for Brent in the two thousand redraft, was Dean Cox uh, yes. sing- single-handedly reinvented the role and reshaped the game. Again, absolutely spot on. The whole reason why we have versatile, athletic ruckmen these days, and that why they're such they're so in vogue, and every single club wants one, is because of Dean Cox.
1: Yeah. So, I. I think he's done a great job.
0: He's done really well as Brent. Um, there's, a f- there's, there's there's a couple in there that I, I uh, don't have um, that I've put in my, uh, other, other people. But um, otherwise, yeah, that's, that's pretty much bang on. Yeah. Um, so I'll actually move on to my one.
1: Yeah, far away.
0: Uh, so no- at number 10, I, I do have Mr. Chris Newman. Same yep. reasons Brent said. Uh, at number nine, I have Drew Petrie. A lot of these are going to be the, for the reasons that Brent said. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but this is where we start. These next three are where we differ. Number eight, I have Teddy Richards. Yeah. Not just because Essendon picked him up initially. It's actually because when he went to Sydney, he became an absolute pillar in their defensive line. And that was around the time where Sydney were all about defense as well. Yeah. So Sydney were winning games, winning premierships with a defensive, with, with defense. And one of the key defenders in that defense was Ted Richards.
1: Yeah. I've got, I've got one thing to say about him when he, when I get to my team, but yeah, great choice.
0: All right. Uh, number seven, I actually went with Darren Jolly. Um, yeah. Uh, not so much an underrated Ruckman, but um, was, ab- was absolutely brilliant and-, and incredibly durable during his time at Collingwood.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: pretty sure he did actually win a premiership with them as well,
1: I want to say. Probably. He is yeah. around that time.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, number six, and I'm surprised Brent missed him, it's Paul Chambers. Right. Yeah, the Geelong Premiership winning bald uh bald head.
1: Um as in Paul Chapman.
0: Oh, damn, how did I f- Oh God.
1: Oh dear.
0: Oh dear. Oh I've, oh that's 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 bad. that's bad. Oh man. Yeah, I'm deaf I am I'm not only my own hero this week, I'm also my own for saying that.
1: I was sitting there like Paul Chambers, what? should
0: I know who this bloke is? No, you shouldn't. No, you shouldn't. Just said Paul, that's just the thing. It said Paul J- Chambers to Geelong. So I just immediately went Paul Chapman. I'm oh, wow.
1: the Bra- the Brazilian Paul Chappie. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Ah oh, dear. Um uh so number six, uh instead I'm gonna go with Alan Didak. Um because I actually now need someone as number six. <laughs> <laughs> And that seems to fit the bill quite quite nicely. Yeah, um, nice. nice cover. Thank you. Uh, I'll just I'm not going to edit or any of that. I'm just going to keep it all in. Um, that's great. Oh dear. Uh, anyway, moving on. Number five. Uh, Kane Corns. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, number four, Daniel Kerr. Yep. Uh, number three, Nick Ringwalt. Yep. Uh, number two, Sean Burgoyne. Um, I have him above Nick Ringwalt because of the amount of premierships that he did end up. Uh, he has won, yeah. yeah. Um, and like he, he's, like he's he's good already. But when he gets to finals, he kicks it up like an extra couple of gears. And is yeah. and there's a reason they nicknamed him Silk because,
1: hmm, smooth. Going off last week, he's the old school Lockie Whitfield. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but number one, I do have to agree with Brent. Um, big Dean Cox, uh, you can't really go past what he's done for the game and what he's, yeah. And the way he, the way he played was just a, uh, absolutely phenomenal.
1: Yeah. No, that's fair enough. Um, I feel like the top five, especially for all three of us are very, very similar.
0: Probably. There might be a couple of, uh, position swaps here and there, yeah. but, um, yeah, I think that top five's pretty much set.
1: Yeah. So um it brings me to my number ten, and that's Roger Hayden. Um really, really good defender. Um just a solid player that never gave up. You always knew what you're gonna get from him. Um, played a fair few games and and was always always consistent. Uh, number nine, I've actually got Alan Didak a bit further down the list than I probably thought when I first looked at this draft. well um, had I
0: had I've actually thought about it more, I probably would as well, but you know, it is what it
1: is. I think I think for Didak, um for me, I always remember him as that kind of Dakos-esque kind of X Factor snap from the boundary dribblet, and and as a result of that, I always thought he was he was an absolute gun as a as a small forward. He kicked two hundred and seventy goals, um, which I guess isn't that much for someone that's.
0: <laughs> he might have had the Collingwood curse of only like being able to play half the season, and the other half of he was injured.
1: Yeah, possibly. Well, he played 218 games, so he only got just over a goal a game. Um, oh, yeah. But still an absolute X-factor player when he was when he was firing. So in eighth, I've got uh, Graham Johncock from the Adelaide Crows. So he uh, played yes. 227 games and surprisingly had 120 goals. Um, I do remember most of his career, him as a backman. I think he started forward. I was but, going
0: to say I I remember him as a defender and he he would have been my number eleven. I I nearly had him in there in my top ten.
1: Yeah, so I just kind of yeah. thought for for a defender to kick one hundred and twenty goals in his career is pretty decent. Um, yeah. brings me to another defender as you mentioned. In number seven is Ted Richards. So he played two hundred and sixty-one games and and as you said, he was a key pillar of the Swans kind of premiership. Um, window across well, there's probably more than a window. The the premiership. They're in the finals every year forever. Um, like, but it,
0: it wasn't so much a window as it was just an uh, an open-roofed car.
1: Like, yeah, yeah they, um, they, they won the flag in t- 2012, and he was an All-Australian defender in 2012. So I just thought it's a, it's a massive honour. Uh, he must have been a, a huge part um, to be an All-Australian, given that there would have been other backmen at the Swans who would have been vying for that same, same spot in the All-Australian team. Um, in 2012. In six, I've got Adelaide's Scotty Thompson, so the bald-headed absolute tank of a midfielder.
0: Ah, yes. That um, big boy.
1: So that guy was your fantasy cream of the crop. He was ever reliable um, and just an absolute nugget, get in and under the ball and, and take anyone on.
0: Oh, yeah, the absolute inside midfielder.
1: Yeah. Um, number five is Kane Corns. So, I do remember him and Chad being absolute guns in their heyday, and and he was he, he often played a tagging, negating role, and as much as I guess you look at him now and he's just trying to always stir up controversy and and a bit of, I don't know a bit of drama. um, I don't really like that about him now. I think he's he was too good a player to turn himself into being remembered as a bit of a flog in the media. Um, I think
0: that's just Kane Corns being Kane Corns. To be honest, I think that he's always been like that, and now someone's just given him a microphone and gone, yeah, yeah. go on, talk." Yeah. People seem to want to listen.
1: Yeah, but as as Brent said, like he's he's a star of a player, but um, yeah, his off field demeanor's kind of let him down. Brings me to Daniel Kerr in number four. I think he's only this low, and by low I mean not one, two, or three, because he didn't play as many games as the others. Um, had he played more games, Daniel Kerr would have been right up there for me. Uh, the guy was an absolute star, and I know Cousins and Judd took a lot of, I guess the, the accolades, um, the personal accolades and stuff. But Daniel Kerr was a genuine elite midfielder. Um, you who, saw it
0: when you saw it when he. Sorry to interrupt, but you uh, did see it when Cousins and Judd. No longer played for West Coast and it was on Kerr. Yeah. And he, yeah, he did carry that team still. And like you, you finally got to see, well, everyone else who didn't, who hadn't, you know, regarded him in any facet, finally actually saw how good of a player he was because yep. he didn't have cousins and Judd, you know, yeah, hogging the spotlight.
1: Yeah. And as I said before, if it wasn't for him making some silly decisions on the field, I reckon he would have played more games and, he could have got himself a, a brown low around his neck, um, yeah. but to tell you what, they, they were a superstar midfield. Um, in third is Sean Burgoyne, um, game's record holder for Indigenous players, four-time Premiership player, I think. Um, yeah, he
0: won one with Port Adelaide in 04 and then has won three with Hawthorne.
1: Okay. Yeah, whatever it is, he's probably got the most flags of pretty much anyone um, out there at the moment or equal to. Any of the Hawthorne players who played those four, um, yeah, the guy is a gun. At thirty six years of age, he is going around for another season by the look of it. And yeah, yeah, he's silky. He just is just absolutely amazing to watch. And and the kind of guy that whenever Hawthorne was in a crisis, they put him in there to fix it, and and he did. Um, he just said, "Step aside, I'm about to change the game." So yeah, um, which brings me to maybe arguably a controversial one. I've flipped this one around from you guys. I've got uh, Dean Cox at number two. Uh, He played 290 games, 169 goals, six times All-Australian as a Ruckman. Um, I think for me, I'm not taking anything away from Cox, but the fact he had Kerr, Cousins and Judd at his feet was just an absolute dream for any Ruckman. And he, he did change the game as a Ruckman. Um, so I'm not taking anything away from him from that, but tell you what, like he was just part of just an unbelievable central team, um, a midfielding team that was just, uh, I guess, at times unbeatable unless he played Sydney. Um,
0: tell you what, if you if any if there was ever a time that you're going to pull a switch like that, a time when Brent isn't here to argue with you is probably the best time.
1: <laughs> well, I think. I think Nick Revolt, who's my number one, um, and I guess it's two weeks in a row now. I've gone the number one as the number one. Um, his stats kind of argue a case for me. Anyone who's kicked seven hundred plus goals um, is well worth having in your forward line. And and Nick not only did it in the forward line, he pushed up the ground and kind of him and and I guess Richo in a sense were those two forwards that spent so much time running up the ground that um, they're they're op- they're direct opponent was just knackered by the time they got back down into the 50. Um, so he played 336 games. So he played almost 50 games more than Cox, um, 718 goals and a five time all Australian. So, I mean, it's almost impossible to split those two. And when it comes down to redrafting someone, I'm trying, I mean, I would probably said it with Burgoyne, but I'm trying not to take into account their team success, because if I was drafting a player, it would be purely for their individual I mean, um, I guess characteristics that they offer the team, not because they were part of a team that that had X amount of flags. Um, So, and I know Nick never had one, but he was the most important player in that team. And I feel like if you're searching for a guy that puts the ball through the big sticks, then in recent years, Nick Revolt is one of few that can do that consistently and and be versatile in, in the role he plays. So, I mean... Coxie and Rebolt, I will, I'll happily switch them, but I've gone with Nick based on goals and an extra, what, 46 games that he played.
0: Yeah, fair enough. I mean, yeah, you make a solid argument. I can take that. Um, yeah. No, that's that's a decent 10.
1: Yeah. I'll take that. No? I'm glad we got through that one. That was pretty hard to to stomach when I got to, after after pick six or seven, I was like, is what do I do from here? Yeah.
0: You yeah, know, I at one point I actually I was like thinking hmm, I might Dominic Cassisi,
1: maybe. Mm. <laughs> that was exactly my thought. <laughs> great, might take a look. But Adelaide's number one. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Well, number two really. Kane Corns is there as well. Oh, sorry, um, no, number one on his jersey. Oh, no, but yeah, that's true. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> um, so is it my turn now to to pick oh. a? Pick a year, or
1: is it yours? So last week we did the Whitfield draft. Uh, that was two thousand and twelve. I don't remember who picked two thousand twelve. I'm. I'd happily let you pick one if you want to pick one.
0: Um, okay. Uh. I mean, I don't have any off the top of my head.
1: Um. So, so our options beyond the two thousands are o two, three, five, seven, nine, ten, eleven. 14, then 16,
0: 17, 18. Let's go with 2009. Don't know why. Just sounds good.
1: Okay. So we'll quickly have a squiz at it to see what, I guess, what gems we've got to pick from. But that's the year of Tom Scully and Dustin Martin. (laughs) <laughs> so we've got okay. There's quite a few there. There's Tom Scully, Dustin Martin, we've got Ben Cunnington.:
0: Wait, are you uh, sure we haven't done this one already?
1: Uh, I don't think we have. I think we've looked at it.
0: Can, oh, okay, because we've got Cunnington, we've got Gary Rowan. Daniel uh, Talia, uh, Lewis. Lewis, Lewis Jeddar. I, I swear we've done this one before.: Yeah, well, no, we have.:
1: Surely we have. I don't know. Max Max Gorn's in there. Oh, hey, and did did is that the year that? Oh, yeah. Sorry, we did Nat Fife and Dustin Martin.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. No, we have done this. Your your spreadsheet's wrong there, Nathan. Mate, right. I I couldn't even find my one. It was that good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, scratch that. Let's uh let's go back a couple of years to O seven then.
1: All right. So two thousand seven is that the one where is that the danger field draft? That had uh, I think it, I think it, it had, is.
0: Manny Cruiser was in there. Um, Trent Cotchin, Chris Maston. Um, hey, David Myers, Reese Palmer, Big Boy McAvoy. Yeah, Paddy Dangerfield, and then Cyril Rioli, Brad Ebert.
1: Okay. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. And yeah, I, I was pretty certain Danger was in that draft. I think they got. I'm got pretty some- sure. Jack Stephen went the same year and. There's, There's a actually a fair
0: of. few that are in, that are in here. Um, Harry Taylor's in here. Alex Rance is in here. Callan Ward.
1: Oh jeepers.
0: Yeah. Um. And then Levi Levi Greenwood's. Sam Ree's in here. So Brent will probably take him. Um, <laughs> Chris Maine. There you go. Jack Stephen. There he is. Um, yeah.
1: Okay. I thought so. Yep.
0: Uh. Oh, Stewie Jew got redrafted after going from Port Adelaide to Hawthorne. Um, yes.
1: And then, he, and then he won him a flag in the third quarter. That was the greatest third quarter in a grand final of an individual I've ever seen.
0: That was insane, yeah. Uh, Kyle Hooker. Oh, righty. There's my number one. Uh, <laughs> um, da, 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 da. Ah, you guys picked up um, uh, Mark Johnson as well in that draft.
1: Oh yippee!
0: Ah uh, Kepler Bradley, let's not do that. Um, <laughs> what do we got the pre- what do we have here? Ah um, oh, Tom Bolt, Tom Bell Chambers in the in the preseason draft, so he might go number two for me. I'm um, just having a look at the rookie draft as well now. Uh Jared Patrino, that's not bad. Um, Jeremy Laidler, also not bad. Pierce Handley. <laughs> um, Brody Martin, Cameron Stokes, uh, um, oh, Shane Mumford, um, oh, nice. in there. So yeah, there's there's a fair few, it's more so in the actual draft than anything
1: else. But yeah, there's a fair few. Oh, so 2007, it is. Yep, looks like it. Perfect. Unless
0: you know we have done it before, in which case. Uh, we will change it mid-week, and we'll let you know next week on the podcast. Nah, I'm pretty certain we haven't done we haven't done danger yeah. yet. Uh, no, otherwise I'm pretty sure we would have him. I think he's going to be like unanimously number one, or yeah. maybe between you and Brent, because I'll definitely have Cal Hooker as number one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I kid, I kid, or do I? Mm. You have to we'll wait never. till next week to find I'll out. Just
1: say we'll never know, but we'll be next Wednesday yeah,
0: exactly. Um, so uh, I reckon that's, yeah, that's a good time to, to wrap things up for this per- first part of this week's podcast. Um, so, yeah, uh, please join us uh, whenever you feel like it, really. Um, for the second part, that should be up very, very shortly after this one, um, if not almost immediately after this one. Uh, and, yeah, thank you for listening. Um that's all uh, no, you have to do yeah, as a second part we'll actually go through the uh this week's uh, round of games, which is round twenty one. Uh and we'll also of course play our brave or stupid. And um yeah. Hopefully we'll see you there. And if not, catch you next week
1: and enjoy the footy. Enjoy the footy and see you in part B. Yeah, part two. whatever we want to call it. Ha, <laughs> ha,